Welcome everybody into another episode of the Shake and Blake Show. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grow. And I mean, John, what a time to be a Wildcat. Uh, we, we got this football team doing amazing things. And now we got this basketball team, 3-0, and to start Big 12 play, just putting on game after game of entertainment. Uh, it could not be a better time to be a Wildcat sitting atop first place in the Big 12, along with KU and Iowa State. Big 12 champions in football. Next thing you know, uh, the team that was preseason picked 10th in the in the Big 12 is now sitting at the top with the likes of Kansas and Iowa State. I mean, geez, 14-1 and one overall, 3-0. and oh. uh, I mean, two back-to-back road wins as well against top 25 teams. I mean, this, this basketball team is just absolutely insane, man. I mean, they just keep going the distance and i mean they just keep they just keep going for newer strides it's well but bigger strides i i should say i mean but nonetheless it, it it's just been a crazy crazy time but it's been a joyous time to be a wildcat without a doubt yeah i mean we beat west virginia in overtime we put 116 points on texas at the moody center and when now we beat baylor in waco in overtime, 97 to 95, start out 3-0 in Big 12 conference play, which is our best start since 2012-2013. And how about this, John? We're now 14-1, which is our best start since 1958-1959 season when Tex Winter and Bob Boozer, the the Kitty Cats of the, the fit late 50s, uh, they went 25-2 and in the entire season, and uh, they ended up losing in the Elite Eight um to cincinnati some guy i don't know his name was like oscar robertson or something uh we lost to him so i don't know if he did anything um after that but uh well let's get back let's get back to 2022 here because let's talk about this baylor game here absolutely incredible game obviously coming into it you got jerome tang coming into waco um they present him the big 12 championship ring that baylor got last year um, yep. Tang said that he actually like he was looking away from the tribute video they made for him because he knew he was going to be emotional if he was going to watch it. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, he talked about after the game, you know, it wasn't fun watching Scott Drew, a guy he sat beside for 19 years. He considers a brother and a friend, you know, lose like that and everybody else that was on the bench. Um, so high emotion in this game somehow not on any ESPN programming besides ESPN plus, which baffles me. Um, but this was an incredible game. 20 lead changes, you know, it's tied at halftime. Both teams in the nineties goes to OT. Um, but let's just, let's get this out of the way, John, cause I don't want to harp on this, you know, throughout the pod. So let's just, let's just nip it in the butt of the beginning. Yeah. Refs were horrible. You know, John Higgins name was oh, on this, yeah. the officiating sheet. So you knew it was going to be bad, but I mean, it was terrible. Uh, I think Kellis Robinette. Was. Uh, put it best on Twitter. Uh, he, I don't know what a charge, a blocker, a no call is um, after watching this game. I think it was particularly frustrating in overtime when it seems like the refs put a spotlight on themselves and it seems it just calls non every possession in OT. Um, it was really frustrating. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add, but I just wanted to get that out of the way because I think just harping on refs kind of gets is kind of an you know an old trick and you know get to the basketball on the floor. I mean, I mean that's always something you'll pull out whenever you lose, and you're just like, "Oh, the refs and all." I mean, there was 45 combined fouls between both teams, uh, and a technical foul on both sides as well. And 
I mean, Baylor's side, I understood. They they were getting hosed on some pretty bad calls. Um, same thing goes for Casey as well. I mean, uh, and of course, it was John Higgins of all the official officiating crews uh, that just has to appear on Drum Tang's reunion uh, in Waco. It was just completely disappointing that he had, that he and his gang of uh, of highway robbers just continue to make bad calls and make us even more pissed off as Big 12 fans. But uh yeah, we 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 got to move on from that before uh any before any of us get more mad about what has taken place uh on the uh with the refs. Yeah, um so just to highlight the stats a little bit, obviously the star performer Marquise Noel, 32 points, 14 assists. Um according to D Scott Fritchin, First 30-point tennis game in K-State history. Um, he's the first player to have back-to-back 30-point games since Michael Beasley did it four times in a row um, in the 07-08 season. So, mm-hmm. obviously, he's on track to not only – I mean, you know, he's making his mark in K-State history already, you know, less than a year and a half in. But he's a strong contender alongside Keontae Johnson for Big 12 Player of the Year. I mean, he's also the – he could be the, you know, National Player of the Year if he keeps oh, putting up numbers like this, 17 points, 9 assists. Um, I know coming into the Baylor game, he was second in the nation in assists. I mean, putting up 14 assists, you know, I don't know what his competition is for first, but he could be right up there leading the nation in assists. It just never ceases to amaze me the things that he does. He's the master – of just the dagger shot on road games. Just every single time we need a bucket, these last two games, just some sort of nasty step back. Like every time he could just go to the crowd and give a big shush and it would totally silence the crowd. Um, just amazing performance by Narquise. Keontae Johnson, 24 points, nine rebounds. Another great performance by him. You know, these two guys are, you know, the reason we're in the position we're in. But got to talk about Ishmael John. You know, 13 points off the bench, you know, made three threes, made his four free throws. But obviously, one of those threes was absolutely huge. You know, we're down uh, 95-93. Marquise Noel drives baseline, kicks it out to Ish. It's kind of contested. He he shoots right away, confident as ever. And it's just absolutely like a perfect make to take a one-point lead. Um, I don't know what your thought process in your head was while you were watching it. But I, I'm based on what we'd seen from Ishmael in his past few games. You know, the shooting wasn't great in my head. I'm, I'm he's shooting. I'm like, no, oh my god, yes. But the the form that he shot at first, I, I thought it, I thought it was. He, he looked a little bit cautious. I was like, oh man, what did I just do? It was like it, it's kind of like you you have the ball and you release it. And it's like, oh, that's not going in. It's like, oh, Ish, what are you doing? And then it goes in. I'm like, what? How did that? How did that drop in? And 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 it kind of reminded me, like in terms of a location, but Rodney Magruder buzzer uh, back in 2012 against Baylor. Like it was like almost right at the same spot as well, which I found really interesting as well. Um, but I mean, he he came in real clutch off the bench. Uh, like uh, like you mentioned, you said, uh, oh geez, I just lost my counting. Thirteen points. Uh, three for four from the th- uh uh from beyond the arc. I mean, he has just been uh really a key contributor in the in the last two games. In the Texas game, started get some more reps, um, especially starting to develop into Jerome Tang's scheme. And next thing you know, 
I mean, he's starting to shoot lights out uh, and just take the dagger of all the Baylor fans uh, inside the Farrell Center. It's the final win in the, Bar- in the Farrell Center, by the way, is for K-State be- before they get a new arena uh, built down there in Waco. Um I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna call uh, Ish Masood Swish Masood if it's ju- if it tends to keep up, which uh, fits uh, real nicely as well. Um, but y- y- you're going back to Marquise Noel. Mar- I mean, he becomes the third Division One player in the past ten seasons to get 65 plus points and 20 plus assists in any two game span, and the only two up two other players who have done it. Where John Morant was John Morant, who's now part of the Grizzlies, and Trey Young of the Hawks in the NBA. Um, I mean, so those are just those are some elite. Um, that's just kind of throwing your hat into the elite status right there. I mean, you 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 are in the same stratosphere as Michael Beasley, John Morant, Trey Young, all in the same week over the last two to three days. I mean, that that really says something about not just your just not your performance but uh just overall where you where you are I'm trying to put in the best words where where you are in, in terms of a rest of a competition that's uh that's the best I got to yeah. say right <laughs> I mean if you want to throw another name into the hat um they showed a graphic on ESPN plus about Marquise's last two games against West Virginia and Texas and added yeah. them up and said that that was like the only person who'd ever done something like that was Steph Curry, <laughs> you know? And well, um, let's not forget as well, Steph Curry did not have the competition Marquise had yeah. dealing with because, I mean, Curry came from Davidson College back when they were in, this, in a mid-major. I mean, Marquise Noel, he's pulling off these type of numbers in the best conference of college basketball. So, yep. I mean, I'd say that's extra- more extraordinary uh, on that part as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Steph did it against like a D3 opponent and then like James Madison. So, yeah, the competition could not be could not be any different, really. Um, so Ishmael hits that big three. I think 32 seconds left. We go up 96-95. They go down the floor. Cam Carter forces a really big turnover with six seconds left. And then, you know, it's pretty much just game over from there. Um, you know, Loner, their white dude, hits, you know, throws up a, a prayer and it's not even close. Well, I, I want to point this out as well. I, I, I kind of do understand what uh, my, I was talking to this with my dad. I was like, okay, should Marquise get, the, get both of the free throws? If he makes both of the free throws, then Baylor will have enough time to get things set. Uh, they will go onto the court, give it to their best ball, uh, ball uh, shot maker and try and tie it up and force the second overtime. Or would you make the first one and miss the second one to make Baylor freak out and get the ball with a chance to maybe win it? And, I mean, they, they try to go for the second option, but it just didn't pan out, uh, especially when you give, uh, what was it? Was Dale Bonner, you said? I think um, it was Loner. Oh, Loner? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know his first it. name, but uh, Loner. but something oh, else. Caleb, Caleb Loner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Curly haired yeah. dude. Yep, six foot eight four. Uh, yeah. yeah, he he got the final shot off. Not probably not the best decision as well. I'd probably either lean towards Adam Flagler. He had a, himself one heck of a day as well. Um, so I mean Baylor has a lot of bit uh big big time players, um, especially some that are able to 
just play completely clutch, clutch at the last minute and uh, just become a massive headache like uh, Bridges is as well. So, I mean, that's that's some tough talent right there. And K-State just continues to overcome these these big hurdles in the Big 12. Like, it's just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. To get back-to-back road ranked wins in conference play is is nothing short of amazing. Uh, one more thing I do want to add to Go your ahead. end game scenario you know, if he does make both free throws, Baylor has a timeout still. So they, they could have used that timeout to get, you know, get a play for Flagler or Keontae George or Jalen Bridges instead of kind of the mayhem. He still could have called timeout, but I think that it would have been better for Baylor just to go for chaos because then K-State can, we can set our defense and you can't do a ton with four seconds. Um, so it, it just went K-State's way and we managed to pull out with a win. Maybe if they just went beyond the half court line with maybe two seconds left, maybe yeah. they could have gone. I don't know, but uh, now you're looking at the Big Twelve race, and after three games, you're you are expecting for the preseason Big Twelve favorite to be three and zero at this point, and the last place team of a Big uh, predicted in the Big Twelve to be zero and three. Well. I mean, the the roles have been reversed. I mean, now you're seeing K State up at the top. And now you're seeing Baylor at the bottom. So, um, I mean, the Big 12 is just – it. I don't even know what to say. It's going to be absolutely crazy uh, within the next few weeks leading into March. Um, I guess another thing is as well, I, I think this is a real – I mean, getting these big wins this week over Texas and Baylor. I mean, you get West Virginia, that that's a good quality win at home. But when you win – over Texas and Baylor on the road, that's going to really help your tournament resume heading into March. Yeah, definitely. I mean, considering every single Big 12 team right now is in the top 40 in Ken Palm, you know, everything's a quality win. But to beat, a you know, that have some real clout like Texas and Baylor uh, is are absolutely huge um, clout gainers for K-State putting us on the map and most likely with a really good top 25 ranking, but we will see how that plays out. It's got to be tough to be a Baylor fan right now, John, um, considering mm-hmm. like people thought Baylor would be in the big 12 championship in football. And then they go six and six and get whooped in the armed forces ball. And then, you know, their picks, you know, at least we have basketball, you know, we're top five in the country, uh, you know, we're mm-hmm. a, you know, picked to win the big 12 and you start Oh, and three, you know, you lose to, I think Gonzaga and Virginia and the non-con, which well, are they, tough they, opponents uh, to be they, fair, but they uh, they beat Gonzaga. Oh, they did. Oh, who's their other non-con loss then? Uh, oh, Marquette. Been... Oh, Marquette. Yeah, they lost oh, to Marquette. They did lose Marquette. Yeah, yeah. Lost... Which... I was I was thinking they played UCLA. They might have beaten UCLA. Um, you know, I I'll, I'll take a look real quick. I uh, guess while we're on the topic of schedules, uh, let's see. Yeah, they lost to Virginia. Close game. They got smacked by Marquette, but they did beat UCLA and Gonzaga as well. So they have some pretty marquee wins there as well. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're not going to, you know, they're probably a top four finish after starting 0-3 is most not likely, but this is still a team that's going to raise some hell and make the tournament. You know, they may have, they may not have Jonathan Chambochachua right now, and they may have lost James Akinjo. But I mean, LJ Cryer, Keontae George, you know, Adam Flagler, who had an amazing game on this one, they still got some amazing uh, players, you know, flow. We made flow Thamba look pretty good. I'm not sure how good flow Thamba actually is. 
we just got into, you know, Naquan got into a bit of foul trouble. And that was the thing that really kept Baylor into this game. If we're going to rewind a little bit, we kind of covered what happened in the end. Let's go back to kind of how we got there. Um, you know, K-State, we start 11 of 15 from the field. You know, I was, the cynicalness in me was expecting a letdown game considering we just put up 116 points, but we came out firing again. But we didn't run up, we didn't have a big lead ever, really. Our largest lead was eight. Um, yeah over the course of the entire game. Again, there were 20 lead changes. So it was a back and forth game. Uh, Baylor was shooting it well, but they weren't shooting it as well as us. The thing that kept them in that game was, I mean, free throws, first of all. I mean, they shot 38 free throws to K-State's 21, which if we had lost this game, there would have been some, probably a lot more hate on the referees. But I think luckily we dodged a bullet there. Um, Well, I think that is a part of a reason why Baylor lost his game I mean, to start off with, with the with the free throws. I mean, they went twenty nine of thirty eight up from the free throw line. You just, I mean, those are those are eight missed opportun eight points off a board that you could have had and nine. Um, we is it not? Oh, twenty nine of thirty eight. Uh, this is what I get for not having math right now. But um, <laughs> uh, but um, not. I mean, those are nine points off the board for Baylor and. Uh, you I mean, as well as the three point shooting, it didn't look so pretty on both sides either. K State was eleven to twenty five. Baylor was also eight of twenty five as well. Um, but man, I, I mean, we I, I'm just completely disappointed. We made we made Flo Thumbo like like one of the top players in the league. Uh, I mean, he hitting in. I mean, he was averaging. I mean, he's averaging five point two points right now, uh, and five point two rebounds right now when. I mean, we we he re, he had seven rebounds and fourteen points uh, last night against us. So I mean, you gotta. I mean, there's got to be a lot uh, a lot more proficient defense on our side as well. Um, you you just got to have better execution, especially when you have teams attacking in the paint. And Baylor really, uh, Baylor really took it out on us inside the paint late in the late in the game last night. Yeah, Flo Thamba and Jalen Bridges, who actually hit the um, three to tie it to go to overtime. Um, they were giving us problems on the boards. I kind of got flashbacks to last year against KU um, where, you know, Jalen Wilson and Daniel McCormick were just eating us alive on the boards. We actually lost the rebounding battle in this game um, by five, but we still obviously managed to win the game. They had 15 offensive rebounds, um, which was a really big help for them. Uh, I mean, 16 second chance points and, really helps as well. And it was it was probably big for them, considering that one not only did did David Gasson not wasn't available, he was on crunches. Um, but at the same time, you also had him um, Isiola dealing with foul trouble as well. You had to have oh, and Naquan Tom went as well. He fouled out uh, late in the contest as well, so it didn't it didn't benefit for us at all. Yeah, we definitely got exposed with Ishmael Masood at the five defensively. Um, obviously, it gives us, you know, a five outlook. But the thing is, we can still do that with Naquan Tomlin at the five in the three-point threat that he brings. But at least he's 6'10", 6'11", and he brings, you know, his his wingspan is ginormous. Oh, so he's, he's a shot-blocking threat. Um, so with him on the floor, we really, I mean, and we are switching pretty much every pick and roll so that, you know, sometimes we'd have Marquise Dewell and Flo Thamba. And obviously that doesn't bode well, you know, even if Flo doesn't get the ball, there's still a big offensive rebound opportunity there. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, um, later on. But I mean, as the game goes on, it keeps going back and forth, you know, Marquise Dewell 
early on in that game hits like a logo three. I mean, it's oh like a, he's a God. foot away from half court and makes it. I mean, it, he's right, just right on the unbelievable. What, what, what it was like on the U of a Baylor logo. Yeah. And he just launches that thing like it's no big deal. I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're accustomed to seeing Marquise Noel make crazy shots in his career, but I mean, that was, I mean, I was closer to half court than it was to the three point line. <laughs> it, it's, it, it just boggles my mind at times. Yeah. But this was just overall, I mean, a really entertaining game come out three, come out of Texas playing Texas and Baylor on the road. I thought this was where things would get rough, you know, at the start of the season. You know, yeah. our non-con, we looked like we could set ourselves up for being 12 and 1, 11 and 1 like we were. Um, but I you know, I thought this is where the rubber's going to meet the road. We're going to get I don't want to say exposed, but you know, maybe we'll get battle tested here and, you know, maybe learn a few things. But we still learned a few things, but we got we're 3 and 0 now. And <laughs> I mean, this could set itself up for some unprecedented um leaps in the AP top 25 considering we're not ranked right now. But I mean, if you look, I think the athletic had us at 10 and then I just looked at CBS's rankings that came out. They have us at seven. seven. Uh huh. I mean, could you imagine? I I highly, I think AP voters are, would be way, are way too conservative to see a team, you know, like that go from unranked to top 10, but we should easily be top 15, if not top 12, you know, closer to top 10, given Mm -hmm. what's been happening in the big 12. Um, to start three and zero like that, I mean, it's. I think our expectations for what this team can be have absolutely shifted. You know, with our first year coach and all these transfers, are like, well, you know, if we can make the tournament, I mean, like, you know, man, we're you know with what we got, R.J. Jones and Michaela Bridge coming in next year, and you know, Tang's pulling the portal, like we're set if we make the tournament. But you know, Joe Lenardi had us as like a three seed. No, that was the ba- uh, it was a four was seed. Jerry Palm. Uh, Jerry Palm had us oh, as a three okay. seed. Joe Lenardi had us as a four seed. Oh, okay. My apologies. But anyway, I mean, after the Baylor win, we're setting up for, you know, we're a top 16 overall team in the tournament. I mean, I think our, I don't know, how do you see our expectations going forward? I mean, are we, do you, do you see us as legitimate contenders for a big 12 title? Well, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit too early on. Of course it's the big 12. It's, I, I don't even know what, it's a complete meat grinder at this point. Um, just what the amount of competition there is still left, but you you talk about some of these key wins with Baylor and Texas and West Virginia, considering that you play in the Big Twelve. I mean, the Big Twelve is going to be big into it, big into the eyeball resume of every of a lot of these teams. Um, because if we were just taking non-conference into consideration, K State would probably be a bubble team. It's just the way it is because. But some of the non-conference teams, uh, they're not holding their weight. Wichita State's terrible. Nebraska, terrible. Florida and Butler, terrible. Um, but but you got but you're playing in the best conference in the big in the Big Twelve, which is would be a completely different perspective. I mean, you you're dealing with a, with a Kansas team on Tuesday who is who could be number one uh, on Monday. Uh, you you just dropped 116 points against Texas. I mean, they're dealing with a lot of criticism, all that. You beat Baylor and Waco. Uh, you also get TCU on Saturday. They're going to be really good. They gave Iowa State all they could. And then, of course, Iowa State as well. They're 12-2. and two. Uh, They're also 3-0 in conference play and for the first time in 20 years. 
I, I'm, I think that's what, I think that, that. <laughs> that's what it was. But if K-State's able to hold their own in the Big 12, it is very possible that K-State could finish up as a top 16 team. And if you are able to pull off some of these bigger wins, particularly with Kansas and Iowa State at home, maybe you get a big road win at TCU on Saturday. I mean, it is very possible. Um, just kind of looking at at the current projections that K State could end up as a three seed. I I wouldn't I wouldn't scratch the surface on a two seed right now, but I I'd be peeking over there and seeing there, there's some pretty good competition. I mean, there were a lot of upsets this weekend in college basketball as well. I mean, that could really help uh, K-State's cause of moving up uh, even higher in the rankings. I mean, you had Arizona losing to the worst team in the Pac-12 in Washington State. You had My- Miami and Nigel Pack losing to something called Georgia Tech. Uh just a lot of just a just a lot of big upsets overall. Um, Virginia's not looking good at all. Uh, Gonzaga, I mean, they barely beat San Francisco. So I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's there's just a lot in play for K State to really move up in the rankings. I don't think they're going to end up in the top ten, but but I mean, if they play the way they had against Texas and Baylor throughout throughout these next few weeks. K State could, I mean, K State would definitely be in the top ten without a doubt. And yeah, a, and I guess, oops, yeah, yeah. Sorry, one more thing to point out. It was just crazy that we had two players returning on last year's roster, and Jerome Tang has the guys that he wants, and all of a sudden we're, we're flash flash forward all the way to January of twenty twenty three. We could be looking at a potential top 15, top 10 team. I I, I was not expecting the, for this turnaround to be this quickly at, at all. I mean, that, I mean, he, he spoke true to his words. The elevation, the elevating of all the players is just there. You're seeing Marquise Noel put up big numbers. You're putting Keontae Johnson. I mean, he's putting up big numbers as well. I, I I'm completely overwhelmed. I, I got a little bit out of subject off subject right there, but I mean it's 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 so crazy. We're we're on the verge of being a top fifteen team tomorrow by by the time yeah uh, the, the episode gets released. But nonetheless, you you got a lot to see what what's happening uh, on the court. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me in April that I mean that Will Howard would win K State a Big Twelve championship. And then also that K-State basketball would start out 14 and one. I mean, I would have slapped you. I thought you would be, you're so crazy. And, and here we are. <laughs> it's, it's just, one of the... I mean, it's, it's one of these crazy. I don't even know what to call it. I mean, first we, we had a lot of criticism towards Will Howard on the football field. Next thing you know, Chris Kleiman develops him into a big 12 champion caliber quarterback along with a lot of the other players on the team you put yeah they play in the sugar bowl uh and next thing you know you got jerome ting uh i mean it, well, let's be real uh kansas football is what is what it, i mean k-state basketball is what kansas fans want their football team to be uh i mean they were five and oh but they just completely sucked the bed k-state i mean k-state basketball can't relate they're just beating a lot of big teams right now I mean, it's it's like it's no big deal, uh. But and uh, 
I mean, they're going to be in the top 10 uh, here if they're able to keep up uh, this momentum heading into what could be a monstrous matchup against Kansas uh, uh, a few days from now. So, <laughs> yeah, I it's, think that, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to I think the question going forward is, is this offensive output at all sustainable? Because, you know, we've won, we put up 116 and 97 points, but we've also given up 103 and 95 points. And I think that's going to be the important thing to see going forward. Because there's going to be games where, you know, Marquise Noel's three is not working. Keontae Johnson can't hit some of those fadeaway jumpers that we've seen. And when, you know, when this team's struggling, like kind of like the Wichita State game, um, except against hopefully better competition, because we should have whooped Wichita State. Um, but we just played terrible. But to, in the Big 12, if you can not, you know, not be shoot the ball well and find different ways to win, that's where you see, a, you know, Marquise Noel's defense come into play where he I mean he could also be a all big 12 defense guy the way he's able to steal the ball he could easily lead the big 12 in steals if not the country and you know i think the the big thing defensively you know like we looked at in the Baylor game is our big guys is getting dave back and then also you know see what Egiola can do defensively against some of these bigs um even though as far as i can from uh looking at the competition there's not a huge big man threat like there has been in past years um, I was I was expecting Baylor to really pose as really the biggest matchup, uh, so far for for Bigs, but um, they they kind of dialed it back a little bit, but um, I I do understand you on the defense because if K State's not putting the offensive uh input towards these games, um, then they gotta be they gotta be prepared on the defensive end. Some of some of the plays that we saw. Uh, in transition from one side of the court to the other, they were just a little bit lackluster. Keontae Johnson, uh, when when he just blew, when he when he, it, it's kind of like um, I'm trying trying to see if uh, it's like Kobe Savage or Julius Prince if they blow coverage, there's gonna be a wide receiver that takes it back to the house. We saw it a few occasions on the basketball court last night, in which Keontae Johnson wasn't fully ready on defense and. Uh, a Baylor and a few got a few Baylor players just continued to attack the paint when K State was just not fully there. Ish Masood, uh, he, at times he's kind of he's kind of blown it as well. So, um, K State's been riding and dying with the offense, uh, so far. So we'll see what happens when once when K State gets a little bit further into uh, Big Twelve play. Um, whether that's going to be a big occurrence that's going to really affect the outcome uh, on the rest of the season. I think if you want to make the argument that maybe not, you know, put up a hundred a game is not sustainable, but I think if that this team is, you know, playing basketball the right way, you look at our last two games, 24 assists on 34 made field goals. And then mm. you go back to the Texas game, you know, 23 assists, on 36 made field goals. I think that's a sign that this team is moving the ball a lot better than we have in past years and that we're getting some really good looks. Um, you know, it's not just all Marquise Noel step back threes, and you know, Keontae Johnson ISOs. Um, I think this team can easily be one of the best offenses in the big 12 without just living and dying by the three. And we're going to see how that develops going forward. Got a big game on Tuesday, John, obviously, 
with this two, you know, two game or three game win streak to start big 12 play. There's been a big rally. You know, we've sold out three big 12 games. There's like, you know, single oh, yeah. tickets for a few. There's been a big rally on Twitter and, you know, on K-State social media to try and sell out every K-State basketball home game, which you haven't bought tickets for a game. I mean, now's the time to do so because they're going to go fast. You know, mm-hmm. we're playing Oklahoma State this Tuesday. Obviously, I mean, you know, you're pro- I don't know. You might have already missed out if you're trying to get tickets to the KU game. Um, you know, I'll tell and you a- what, but the ticket prices, if K-State basketball tends to keep us up, the ticket prices are going to get higher and higher uh, as well. Uh, just, re- I mean, really – and it's gonna be really cool seeing Bramwich like like that. By the way, it's just with with the with all the crowd going all the way to the top. Um, I mean, we I mean, it's only been a one time occasion with Kansas, but now we saw the Texas Tech, a Texas and KU game sold out. Uh, and I believe um, Saturday night, I believe Scott Wildcatch tweeted this out. We were one thousand tickets shy of a sold out crowd against Oklahoma State on Tuesday as well. I mean, if you got, I mean, if if you don't have any plans on Tuesday night, um, get out of Wichita or Kansas City or or anywhere where some of you alumni reside. I mean, but the school break hasn't, as I mean, the school hasn't started yet for any of the college students. Uh, you guys can come ahead. I mean, can come on, come on up and uh, see the cats play the Cowboys as well. Uh, I mean, it's. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be something special. I mean, I mean, we're we're also seeing a lot of former players tweet out as well. I mean, we saw Dean Wade tweet out, Barry Brown tweet out, uh, which caused a little bit of controversy as well from some of the uh, other K State fans on Twitter. Uh, but then next thing you know, you got Jacob Poland tweeting out. It's like, all right, I'm gonna have to find a ticket. Uh, and then Michael Beasley replied. Uh, it was like a hashtag. We want money or something like that. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not completely sure. But um, now you're getting a lot of former players ride behind this team. You're getting the fan base rallied up uh, for some basketball again, and it's going to be really exciting. Like it, it's. 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 I mean, I. I. I'm just so ready to see Bramwich, uh almost at full capacity again for some of these basketball games it's going to be such a treat it's going to be really exciting because i think it's been a bit unfortunate um for coach tang the first kind of two big home games we had this season wichita state and then west virginia to open conference play were hindered attendance wise by the fact that you've got you know probably thirty thousand k-state fans either in arlington or new orleans um, so you've got, you know, the entire, there's nothing else going on in K-State sports besides basketball right now. And I think it's going to be really fun for some of these. I mean, it's kind of a shame the KU games on a Tuesday, like, I feel like it's a protected rivalry. You should be able to get that on a Saturday. Um, it's also on a Tuesday when it's at Allen Fieldhouse, which is a bit unfortunate as well, but you know, it is what it is. And I think that's obviously still going to be, that's going to be a sold out game. Well, it's a good thing that the game is being played on Tuesday as well, because if it was any time this week, then you might have not seen the amount of students come since school hasn't fully started yet. But school is on that first on that first Tuesday, coming back uh, from what I believe MLK Day, um, uh, and then you have KU in town. So I mean, that's going to be really big. And I think another thing to point out as well. Um, compared to football, you don't necessarily get the game day, full game day experience, whether it was tailgating 
some of the other pregame festivities with well, on the football side, as you would with, I mean, as you would with basketball. I mean, the, fo- the football games last for three to four hours. I mean, you'll add some of the other activities. That's that, that almost takes uh, an entire day. I mean, you're looking at the basketball side. It's just a basketball game. It's two. It's two hours, maybe a little bit extra if we're going to overtime. Um, so it's it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more time consuming if you just head up there just for three hours and then you're like, oh, we had to head back. So I understand. I understand from their point of view, but I think this basketball team has done enough damage to the point in which uh, it, you got to be getting uh, some more uh, people in the stands at this point. Uh, than you would against the likes of Radford or uh, who else? Abilene, Abilene Christian, Incarnate Word, yeah. UT Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, so it's it's yeah the games like that. I mean, like that that's completely fine. Although although I don't know how Kansas finds a way to do it, but uh, uh, well, I mean, but we're we're to the point now in which we need to get some fans in Bramwich, uh, and and bring back and really bring back the octagon of doom as well and raise hell as well <laughs> yeah when 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 bramwich is at full capacity and the students are going wild it is it, it is it, it it's really it's really quite quite the sight to see yeah it really is so i mean if you haven't bought tickets for a game already in bramwich make sure to do it like as soon as you can because you're definitely yes. not going to have um an opportunity uh, I mean, even in a matter of a few days, um, you never know with the way this team is going right now. So, I mean, everything is on the up and up for K-State men's basketball. It's a great time to be rooting for, rooting for them, especially with everything that we experienced last year. Um, John, let's let's wrap up the show. Let's talk about what women's basketball did real quick, and then we'll talk about uh, the national championship. Uh, so uh, earlier on that the past Saturday – uh, K-State played West Virginia. Uh, K-State women did at home. Um, they lost 77 to 70. Um, this was a game where West Virginia got out to a pretty good start, and then they just really never looked back. K-State was always within striking distance of them, and then we made a big run at the end of the third quarter, I think, to get it within two. And then yeah, West Virginia like- got right out to a big lead again. And just kind of never really looked back. There were only two lead changes in this game, one tie. Um, so, but that doesn't really signify the game was still, you know, it always is around that 10 to 12 point range, but we could never just get over the hump and uh, get, uh, get a lead. Yeah. Mountaineers led as, as many as 15 points. It was 47 32 in the third quarter in K State. Uh, went on a 13, uh, 13 point run in the third quarter, and um, West it was just pretty much a back and forth battle. But West Virginia was just able to prevail at the right time. Uh, made a big late three, and then on top of that, um, got a big turnover late as well. So disappointing loss for K State. I mean, West for whatever for blah, for whatever reason, West Virginia is just a complete thorn on K State side in women's basketball. Uh, I, I recall the buzzer beater in the Big 12 championship. Uh, what was it last year, two years ago? Um, it was one. It was one of the two years. But uh, man, I mean, they just they just continue to find ways to break K State fans' hearts for whatever reason. Um, but uh, 
it, I mean, it, it doesn't really get all that easier now that you're, you're, you're in the full swing of big 12 play. And next thing you know, you're going to play at Iowa state uh, on Wednesday. I want to say, yeah, at Iowa state on Wednesday, uh, they, they are, Iowa state might be one of the better teams in the, in the country. Yeah, they are. They are really good. Um, I mean, with this game, we just never really shot it that well. I mean, 35% from the field to West Virginia is 47%. What we are really missing is, you know, you got Gabby Gregory, who's, you know, 26 points, five rebounds, four assists. Had an amazing game. It's what you expect from Gabby Gregory, shooting it really efficiently, too. But unlike the last game with Oklahoma State, we had share some Sarah Shamatsi, you know, mm-hmm. tw- you know, first double-double in her career, 25 points, 10 rebounds. We didn't really have anybody else, you know, four people were in double figures, but besides that, you've got 10 points combined from, you know, the other players that were playing, you know, Jalen Glenn, um, you know, got a 10 points, 10 rebounds, which is really impressive. Serena Sandell, 14 points, eight assists, but nobody else really went, you know, over the top to have another 20 point outing, which I think is what we really needed. I mean, Sarah Shamasi herself, you know, two points, one of eight from the field. I think if she could have made, you know, she was 0-4 from three. If she gets a couple of those to go, uh, you know, you're looking at a one-point game. And, you know, the momentum and, every, you know, how this game went could have gone completely differently. I I, I think couldn't have said it better myself, especially, I mean, West Virginia as well was shooting pretty well. Uh, uh, oh, geez, I, looking at it back now, I, uh, uh, I blanked on it. Uh for what sorry, like, you're good. I, I blanked on it real quickly. Here, let me find it. For West Virginia's field goal percentage. Yeah, I was looking at West Virginia's field goal percentage and I thought it was gonna be a little bit better, but it was a lot better than ours. So better than ours. Uh you were talking about Shimatsi. She she played well over the past few games. Uh, but overall, there wasn't too many other players who made the biggest impact. Uh, late in the, uh, in the game, you did you say that? You, you said yeah, kind of, kind of. I'm sorry, man. No, you're good. How about how about you know? I think we've kind of you know, um, said everything you need to say about this game. It was kind of disappointing. Uh, off to a one and two start in conference oh, wait, play. Wait, wait, oh wait, you're you're gonna use that? Oh no. What? <laughs> Oh, you Wait, thought I was just gonna cut all that out? No, this is live. No. This is live television, baby. No. All right. Yeah, you mentioned they got at Iowa State next. Iowa State really good. They got Texas Tech at home yeah, on January fourteenth. Really so uh, if you're in town on a Saturday, want to see some basketball, make sure to go check that out. Um, John, I, that was such a matter of inconvenience, right there. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, just gotta have a goldfish memory. Like, All right, let's move on to something you could talk about for a very long time, John. The national championship, TCU Georgia, um, Big 12 team playing for a natty. How about that? Um, about that? I'm looking to try and find the line on this game. I believe Georgia is what 12 and a half point favorites. They're big favorites in this game. They're um, big, big favorites. But I mean, I think that's exactly where uh you know TCU wants to be. Oh, uh, that's just all they've done. Yeah. According to ESPN, um, Georgia's 12 and a half point favorites. Uh, yeah, it's going to be probably tonight, probably as you're listening to this, or maybe it's already happened. 
but uh, this is going to be a heck of a game. I hope it's a close game. Um, Georgia, obviously, just got a ton of talent. They're not as talented as last year, but this is still a crazy good team, you know, with Brock Bowers and Jalen Carter. And obviously, you know, um, wise beyond, actually wise, not beyond his years, because he's pretty old, but pretty wise Stetson Bennett. The um, mailman. Yeah. Um, just a minute. So this um, is gonna this is gonna be a fun game. You also, I mean, you also got to point out their defense as well. Uh, not this past weekend against Ohio State, they allowed 292 overall yards in the game, um, um, to rank ninth with 215 passing yards and 77 rushing yards and. I mean, you just can't give up those big numbers to a team like Ohio State. And um, seeing how big of an offensive juggernaut TCU is, I don't think TCU is going to be there to compete. They're, they're going to be here to make a lot more noise because who who knows when they're going to get that opportunity again. In Georgia, as long as they have Kirby Smart, they're, they're going to be in the mix almost every year. They, they have more talent. Except for quarterback position, I think TCU big biggest difference maker is going to be Max Duggan. Um, whether it's on the ground or the air, I mean they can be very opportunistic defensively. They're number twentieth in turnover margin with twenty two forced turnovers. They also got sixteen interceptions as well. And I think another thing to point out is that Georgia is tied for seventy fifth uh, when it comes. Uh, uh, to be um, uh, uh yeah, here we go. Uh, Georgia was tied at seventy fifth for the turnover margin as well, um, so that could eventually lead to their downfall. I and I think Quentin Johnson's gonna have himself a big game, but man, uh, if I, I mean, look, I mean, we 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 saw the talent difference in K State and Alabama. Um, I mean, the TCU and Georgia game. I, I mean, Georgia is gonna be on another level compared to Alabama. And as much as I love TCU, I just don't see where it's possible where they can get it done uh, against that squad. It's it's going to be really, really hard. Um, a big thing um, is Kendry Miller's injury status. Uh, I think he's an oh, MCL sprain or something. He's, I remember with his ankle. But anyway, he's questionable he's for questionable. the national championship game. So if he can play, it's just he, even if he can play, he's probably not 100%. We're just going to yeah. make it really hard, but he's such a key piece for them. Yeah. I mean, I pick, I picked TCU to beat Michigan, um, but Georgia and Michigan are two, they're on different levels. And I just, uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, for the, you know, first time I'm going to not make a total Homer pick and uh, pick Georgia to win this game. I do hope it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a to- total Homer pick when K state's not involved. So. Yeah, that's true. You, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, of course I'm going to be rooting for the big 12 purple team. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, but TCU is going to have to score a lot of points in this game because Georgia is going to be very explosive, especially when you have Stetson Bennett, who's somehow um, just making throws beyond our expectations uh, and you got, uh, and of course, TCU's top target, Quentin Johnson, he's going to make a lot of big plays. He had six passes, uh, 163 yards and a touchdown looking at uh, some of the stats from the Michigan game. Uh, he leads the Horn Frogs in 53 catches for 903 yards. I mean, that's some pretty big numbers as well. Um, but nonetheless, as much as I love Sonny Dykes, 
uh, and TCU. I, I also did not see the, the health factor in Kendra Miller as well, which uh, does lean me towards Georgia even further more in this matchup as well. Yeah, but, you know, like we've talked about before, um, K-State fans can be happy either way because um, we can argue that we're the national champions no matter who wins. Because, you know, we beat TCU and we've talked about, you know, the way we beat Missouri and the way Georgia played against Missouri. Um, so, you know, K-State fans can go home happy either way. One more thing before we get out of here, John. Um, let's talk about some of the returners for uh, K-State oh, football. Right. We've heard that. Cooper Baby, KT Leviston, Hayden Gillum. Bring um, back the beef. Yeah, so, th- I mean, three huge offensive linemen. Cooper Beebe, who, you know, could have been an NFL draft prospect, is going to come back for another season. Um, I, This is, you know, this was a really experienced offensive line team this year. And to get mm-hmm. them coming back for another year, it's going to be absolutely huge um, for, you know, DJ Giddens or possibly um, the transfer, the Florida State running back that visited K-State. Treshawn Ward. Yeah, Treshawn Ward, who could possibly – transfer to case it would be a huge get um, that'd be massive are there any other well uh echo boydo did he uh declare? In, in in terms of who has declared i believe yeah. boydo has malik Knowles has julia sprints as well i believe those are the three i might be missing one more but i could be wrong um but man you want to talk about just the offensive production K-State's going to have back. They're going to have a top eight offensive lineman uh, coming back. It's going to be really big. On top of that, you get Cam- Cooper and Cam DeBeebe playing side-by-side as well. I think that's going to be pretty cool as well. That's that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That is cool. Um, I think one person we could watch for is Philip Brooks to see what he does. Philip Brooks, yeah. Because he can come back for a sixth year if he wants to. Um, so if he could come back, cause you know, Malik Knowles is gone. If we lose Philip Brooks, you know, Kay Warner already came back for his sixth year. He's gone. Yeah, he's uh, gone. It would be great to have him back, you know, cause without him, it's, it's, um, oh, we have the Iowa transfer, obviously. Yeah. yeah Keegan Johnson. Keegan as well. Johnson. That'll uh, RJ, be a big get. Uh, RJ Garcia. will have some more time. Uh, Jaden Jackson out of yeah. Ole Miss. He played late in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, he played late in the Sugar Bowl against Bama. I liked, I liked the way he performed. Uh, hopefully he's able to make some big plays as well coming out of his red uh, red shirt year as well. So, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess the two biggest questions right now are, are is Felix going to, I mean, is, is Philip Brooks going to declare or not? And when is Felix going to declare? Because, because <clears throat> I was expecting him to, uh, de- to declare, immediately Last, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i mean to, probably to the same timetable as do spawn yeah um, I, i'm I, well honestly even i was expecting for felix to declare earlier than deuce uh just with the overall talent uh just with uh the, the draft stock that felix has maybe has it has decreased a little bit uh with one one or two more guys just always holding felix the entire time every football game uh that Felix is a part of as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to cover that because that was been some news that's been percolating in K-State football. So uh, I think we've got it all covered, John. Um, so uh, we didn't do this at like 930 at night. So I think we all had a little more energy, more refresh. Uh, so I think it's a good way to. Yeah, yeah. 
not not completely overdosed on NyQuil like <laughs> like I was. Well, not overdosed, but I had a little bit. <laughs> I had just a little bit more of uh, NyQuil than expected. And well, I guess another thing as well is that I took, but is that I took the NyQuil prior to the show when I should have taken it after the show. Uh, which I I was acting completely lazy, uh, <laughs> like I was just I was ready to hit the hay, and I was I was on the verge of have of closing out the show perfectly, and then I had to just come back and say uh, I don't know what you guys are doing if you guys don't sell out against Oklahoma State. So uh, I, I I have no idea what I was doing there. I was just oh, completely man. completely messed up, but. Nonetheless, I mean, you got a very exciting week ahead of you. You got Oklahoma State at home. You play TCU in Fort Worth with another big chance to get a statement win. You got women's basketball playing against probably the best team of Big 12 in Iowa State on on, on Wednesday night. So um, there's still a lot happening in the Big 12, and we'll be there to recap it. That's exactly what I was going to say. So make sure if you're able to, to go to Bramlage to watch K-State play Oklahoma State this Tuesday. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake75. Leave a review wherever you're listening to your podcast. Make sure to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we'll see you next time in Casper 90. Casper 90. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. <laughs>